our government loves encroaching, AOC loves making a fool of herself, and the left loves, and when I say loves, I mean loves, hypocrisy. I'm Josiah Everton, and this is The Glorious Rescue. Aren't you tired of feeling forced to choose between staying informed and being indoctrinated? Listen to the condensed news cycle without the lies, agendas, and confusion from the mainstream media, all while engaging in deeper discussions about the principles that have influenced our great nation. This is what rescuing America looks like. This is The Glorious Rescue. Welcome back to another episode of The Glorious Rescue. As always, I like to give you a little bit of a welcome. Thank you so much for listening in to The Glorious Rescue. As you can see, I got the headphones back on and that came from a mishap in our last episode, but we are cruising right along. So I got the headphones back on. We're getting right into it and we're going to do something a little bit different and that is hop over into an end of show segment right at the very beginning to give us ample time to cover it and then kind of just reverse the roles and then go into our normal day-to-day news cycle afterwards. So welcome to another segment of The Vast Past. Here we are with another segment of The Vast Past. Here I am welcoming you to the show, welcoming you to The Vast Past, welcoming you again and again and again, but nevertheless, here we are getting right into the show. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to be trying to rolling through the episode with like a little bit of a one take where we're just starting the camera. I'm just rolling through. We're just enjoying it and we cover all that we need to cover. So first up, like I mentioned in our last episode, The Vast Past is really a discussion, honestly, that is now covering our amendments. If you remember when we covered the amendments, we went through the founding era. And now really it is more so consisting of the vast past because we're not really in the founding era. And if you remember, I gave you that that intro that this is one of my most hated amendments, probably one of the worst written, one of the worst precedents set ever in the history of our nation. And that is the 16th amendment, the federal income tax amendment. And you say, Josiah, taxation is theft. Yes, taxation is theft. But is there really the precedent here? We're going to talk about more so, yes, I hate it in the front scale. The idea that the government is now taxing our income, but there actually is a dangerous precedent set that most of us don't even realize. And it goes against several of the previous amendments, and we're going to talk about one specifically, that it violates each and every time we file our taxes as Americans. So the 16th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America reads, the Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment amongst the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration. I I said before, I hate taxation. Taxation is theft. One of the things that drives me crazy about taxation is the double taxation, like inheritance taxes, where an individual works his entire life paying taxes off of all of his income. And then he passes away, she passes away and tries to leave a nice inheritance, something kind to her posterity, his posterity, his coming generations. And what the government does is tax it after they already pay taxes on all of that. Anyways, I hate double taxes, but what I most definitely hate is income tax. I remember my first job. Well, we all remember our first job. The first time we looked at our paychecks, seeing how greedy the government is. And I'm sure it's gotten greedier and greedier over the years. So we have that precedent. We have the precedent of just front value, face value, not enjoying taxes. And so it's just another tax that we have to pay. But what is the precedent here that I'm talking about? The deeper precedent. The fourth amendment reads, and we did cover it, the constitution through the fourth amendment, it says here that it protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures. That's the whole portion. That's the whole point of the fourth amendment. So it is against unreasonable searches and seizures. Again, it's not against searches and seizures. You have to have a warrant. You have to have a reason. And that warrant has to be issued by a judge. 
again, you have to show probable cause to that judge for them to issue that warrant. So you have to have reason. So we are our country and the rule of law dictates in our nation that there we that we as citizens are protected from unreasonable searches and seizures. And yet the 16th Amendment after the 16th Amendment, every single year, millions of Americans have all of their documents unreasonably searched and seized. In my opinion, the government has to seize and search everything where you work, how much you make, how many kids you have, how much money you spend with your income, where your investments are, what companies you're investing in, how much you made from your investments. I could go on and on. Proper, I can go into properties and property taxes, and there's all that. But just the income tax argument, you have, think of the income tax. And when you file for your income taxes, all the information that's gathered on you. Like I said, investments is a big one. But also just where you work, how much you're making, how much you're spending, all of that, all of your documents, all of your papers have to be given up. If not, you face some serious crimes. You face some serious punishment if you're not giving up your documents. Every single year, we are, millions of Americans are, unreasonably searched and their documents seized. Their papers gone through, all of their personal information un- upheaved and uncovered for the government to take their chunk out of it. You can't tell me that doesn't violate the Fourth Amendment that protects us from unreasonable searches and seizures. That's the dangerous precedent of the 16th Amendment. That's the dangerous precedent in general of the government, again, loving to encroach, loving encroaching upon us, loving treading on our liberties. So tread harder, please, government, tread harder. But our government loves encroaching. So that's really the end of show segment. I guess I really only needed a couple minutes, but that's the main discussion here. So now I'm in a little bit of an odd situation. I don't know as we travel back or move on over back to the normal news cycle, if I play the bugle, if I try to imitate the bugle like Jeremiah did a few episodes ago, definitely make sure you check out that episode if you haven't already. That's probably our one of our most played episodes on YouTube, but also most definitely on our audio platforms. But definitely, definitely check that out. Listen to his attempt at the bugle. But we're just going to move right along into the normal day-to-day news as we move in really consisting of and beginning with AOC. I like starting with AOC. I like discussing AOC and certain things about her because I like to give our show a little bit more of a lighthearted feel. I know I mentioned that before, so I'm not going to spend too much time and more time on that. But AOC, what am I talking about specifically? Well, if you know AOC, she tried to champion the Amazon, the development of Amazon in New York. And there's a recent headline by the Daily Wire entitled, quote, New Yorkers stung by Amazon loss amid pandemic rip AOC. Do something positive with your big mouth. <laughs> oh, guys, I love this. AOC, do something big. Do something positive with your big mouth. I'll show the picture right now. If you're not watching on the YouTube channel, you will not see this hilarious picture of AOC in her big mouth. But nevertheless, what what is this in reference to? Amazon has been in, in, in dealings with the New York uh, County or with the New York government, I should say, specifically Andrew Cuomo even. And They're trying to take, Amazon is trying to develop more business in New York. They have large, large amounts of property. And recently Amazon decided they were not going to do so. Uh, We know New York is not very conducive to large businesses. I mean, we know Elon Musk left California. And so you have these big companies not trying to stay in these areas, these very left leaning and Democrat areas because of taxes and because of their governments and how they treat and their policies, how their policies are really against those big companies. And I, I guess I'm, I'm for the idea of making sure that there's an evil, even and level playing field among big corporations and small businesses. 
what I'm not for is the whole idea of just paying their fair share, their quote, fair share, when in reality, what they're trying to do is, you know, hike a corporate tax of like 70%, 90%. That's not what I'm for at all. So don't get me wrong there. But what I'm trying to say is you have Democrat cities, Democrat governments and policies that generally run to straining, constraining, and hurting large businesses. And now large businesses move to more Republican areas. And those large businesses help people. They most definitely help people during this pandemic. Loss of jobs. Amazon employing thousands of workers in that plant alone would would definitely employ thousands and thousands of workers. And they left. Among their dealings, they ended up leaving because they couldn't agree on taxes. They couldn't agree with the New York government. And so they just left. AOC championed this when she was asked about it. Well, what does she think about it? She think it was incredible. I I think it's incredible. You can play it right here. I think it's incredible. And most definitely, if you think Josiah, um, you're taking her out of context. Okay, fine. I'll play it a little bit further back so you know it was exactly in regards to this. I think it's incredible. I mean, it shows that everyday Americans still have the power to organize and fight for their communities and they can have more say in this country than the richest man in the world. What do you say to those that um, criticize them pulling out that you know, the district now is going to lose 25,000 jobs? That could come so yes, don't say I'm taking her out of context. She was literally asked about Amazon not going to New York City, about a company not employing thousands of workers that she says she cares about during this coronavirus. Yes, during that, and in, reg in regards to that, she said it's incredible. I can't get over this. Unfortunately, AOC not using her quote-unquote big mouth to help her workers. Next, I would also say that the only really incredible thing about AOC is how incredibly ignorant she is in regards to economics, in regards to politics. This is a very basic fact, basic fact in economics of trying to bring these companies into your, into your borders, into your area, your region to employ your workers, to employ your community. But no. Anyways, incredibly ignorant there. Next, we have Tucker Carlson talking about Jill Biden. And some people are have been recently, I guess the left has had some serious uproar about not calling Jill Biden, Joe Biden's wife, a doctor. Because she's a doctor of education. She's not a medical doctor. So not necessarily calling her Dr. Biden. She does have a doctorate, I guess, but a doctorate of education. And so Tucker Carlson's take was very interesting. Many people have been calling Joe Biden exactly that, Joe Biden. But yet recently, many people have been in a huge uproar, saying we shouldn't call Joe Biden Joe Biden, but rather Dr. Biden. So our team, of course, did a little bit of digging and we found something very interesting. Among other things, we found that she's not really a doctor, but a doctor of education. The question then arises, would that warrant us calling her doctor. Some would say, of course, that, that it would. Of course, we would say that it doesn't. And that Jill Biden is as much of a doctor as Dr. Pepper is. I think that's fair to say. Don't you? Many people would argue this, but I think it's fair to say. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I think that impersonation was a little bit better. I'm thinking, I think I'm getting better, guys. Now, you may argue that, you may disagree with that, but I think I'm getting a little bit better, substantially better, but you guys, you guys let me know in the comments or versus the likes or Instagram. You guys let me know. But I'm thinking I'm, I'm doing a little bit better. Nevertheless, you got Tucker saying that. Okay, I could see it going either way, right? It could be 
doctor. It could be Jill. I don't really care. You call her what you want. She technically has a doctorate. I'm not going to spend any time really on that. What I am going to talk about is crews, crews going ballistic on more people saying more shutdowns. And this is, has been a huge theme of the left. I want to also make it very clear that the left flips and flops all over this situation, all over the electoral college. We're going to get into that very specifically in a few minutes. But next is the whole idea of the lockdowns and some people saying we should have more lockdowns. Some people saying it's necessary, always consisting of the left, virtually always, and crews going ballistic on them. So you have Bill Gates. You have Bill Gates being interviewed by Jake Tapper on CNN, asking about continuing to close businesses, continuing to close restaurants, to which Bill Gates said, quote, that's appropriate. Unfortunately, I should say, quote, and I think sadly, that's appropriate. So not to put him out, pull him out of context or anything like that. Ted Cruz, his answer was this. A millionaire, Jake Tapper, and a billionaire, Bill Gates, discuss how they think it's, quote, appropriate to destroy and bankrupt small businesses across America. Tell you what, halt all salaries at CNN and Microsoft, stop paying dem politicians, and then... <laughs> I just realized when he says dem politicians, he's talking about Democrat. For a second there, I had me thinking he was saying paying dem politicians like them politicians. That's great. Paying dem politicians, paying dem politicians. And then let's see if they think two more years shutdown is okay. Man, that cracks me up. I hope that was funny to you. I got a warped sense of humor, I guess. Paying them politicians and paying them over there at CNN and Microsoft. That doesn't, Ted Cruz, that doesn't, it's not necessarily how that works over at Microsoft because Bill Gates mostly has his net worth for his equity in Microsoft, not really what he makes as a CEO. But I, I get the point here, right? CNN has, and Jake Tapper, Jake Tapper has the benefit of being able to work remotely, being able to work in an environment where he can socially distance, where he can follow protocols, still be deemed essential, and still make his paycheck. Bill Gates obviously still making his paycheck. Microsoft still doing well. Most Americans don't have that opportunity. I can sit here and say that I'm very grateful to still have the opportunity to work a job because the government, thank the Lord, the government has deemed me, quote, essential, is stupid. The government deeming certain places essential and non-essential deeming church essential versus non-essential, people saying, open up the churches, quote, church is essential. No, that's not the argument. The argument is that the government doesn't have a, a right to label us essential versus non-essential. Why do we think the government should label the church essential? We should really be arguing that the church, or that the government, rather, doesn't have the wherewithal, doesn't have the standing to label us essential versus non-essential whatsoever. That is not their duty. That is not their their whole purpose. Their purpose is to protect the innocent innocent by punishing the guilty. The rule of law. Nevertheless, th that's the argument some people are going to unfold. So getting back to the issue here, you have elites saying, yeah, this is okay. This is acceptable. This is appropriate. Closing down more. Not really discussing the entire 360 degree issue here. Of there are more issues than just cases rising or even death toll rising, but rather businesses closing down, people's livelihood at stake, suicide. We talk, we've talked about this before and all of the harmful, harmful side effects. So Ted Cruz coming out ballistic, coming out very strong. And I think one of the better arguments to make is when you have these lawmakers and politicians sitting up at their at the top of their, their elitist little throne and they look at us like they're little subjects, right? Sitting back on their throne and legislating what's right for them but not right for us, or what's right for us, but not right for them. 
And so I think the better argument to make is if you're going to keep closing down businesses, schools, or people's livelihood as a, as a lawmaker, then you should not be given a salary. Because if you look at it, they are making a lot of money. But for some reason, they come out substantially more wealthy than they should be for the amount of money they are making. So they should still be okay if they have their salaries cut. I'm not going to keep going on that, but you do have more people saying this. You have more people saying that more masks are going to be necessary, that masks are going to be necessary. Travel is going to be restricted even after the vaccine and even after, quote, herd immunity. Ted Cruz, again, saying this is bizarre. It's lunatic. It's a totalitarian cult. So I like Ted Cruz. He's, he's going off. He's going off on them. And rightfully so, because the threshold keeps it keeps moving further and further away, right? It was two weeks and then it was further out. And then it was once we get a vaccine and now after we get a vaccine, it's still going to be further. It's basically going to be till everyone really is not able to die. Everyone is immortal. That's that's when we're going to be able to open up our country back is when people stop dying uh, in general, whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, when people stop dying, if we can just get, you know, maybe six to eight months of no deaths whatsoever, then, you know, we'll, we'll be able to open up the country back again. I'm being a little bit facetious here, but that is unfortunately, really honestly, the, the mentality is the threshold just keeps getting pushed back. As you know, the COVID vaccine is now on distribution. I want to say Pfizer pulled out like two, over 2 million, 2.9 million, I want to say. Definitely well over 2 million doses. They are just popping them out, manufacturing them like crazy now. It is unfortunate that in regards to the whole vaccine discussion, it wasn't really, it wasn't, it didn't really come out as being approved, as being via, viable until Trump lost the election. I think that's interesting. The FDA, actually a week to two weeks before the election, um, Pfizer was ready. Pfizer had the exact same thing as they had after the election. They had, they had the exact same thing as what is being distributed right now. And yet the FDA made them go back to the drawing board a week before the election and then forcing them to add more people to their council, forcing them to add more people to their approval council or whatever that is, and then go back to the drawing board, basically. And then a week after the election, come out and say two weeks after the election, three weeks after the election, then come out and say, finally, that they have a viable option. Same with Moderna, Moderna, however you pronounce it. There's party politics. There's politics involved with big medicine. Big medicine, where do you, what, what side do you think big medicine is on? What side do you think any really mainstream corporation or mainstream entity, there we go, is, is side is on? What, what side do you think any mainstream entity is on? It's on the left. Medicine, news, and mainstream media, academia, Hollywood and entertainment, the list goes on and on. And so they pushed it back right? Trying to keep that off the table before the election. People were, were mocking Trump saying when he came out and said, well, we, we should have a vaccine in a few weeks before the, before the end of the year. At the beginning of November, he was saying, yeah, it's just a few weeks away. He was not wrong. And people were saying medical experts saying that this is impossible, that it'd take a miracle, that he's just lying for the election purposes. Come to find out it was here. <laughs> And probably more than likely, mainstream media knew it. They just weren't reporting on it. And they were basically lying, saying medical experts say the opposite or whatnot, trying to give that agenda that they always push because we really did have it. And it was really out, but it didn't come out till after the election. And of course, now we know Biden's going to be the one if Biden moves on more on that in just a second, Biden and the presidency. But let's just say he is the next president. And now we have all the credit going to, to Joe Biden, who did absolutely nothing but sit there in the Oval Office, just sitting there, ask Kamala Harris runs our wonderful country. <laughs> That's what's really going to happen. Nevertheless, 
I'm not giving you medical advice on the whole vaccine. What I will say is that it is increasingly popular among the, as you get older and older and age increases, the likelihood of someone taking the vaccine increases as well. And that, and that's, that's normal. That's assumed, right? You have a much higher chance of being at risk or a much higher chance of being vulnerable to this virus. You're going to take the vaccine. You're going to have a, a higher likelihood of taking the vaccine. Um, and we're not going to really get into side effects. There are some very, very small and very acute and minute instances of, of side effects. And those would be COVID side effects, like, for instance, chills and fevers and all that. But they wear off after 24, 36 hours. And most of the people who say so say that it's better to have bad symptoms for 24 hours, especially as an older individual and not necessarily being at risk, having those symptoms for 24, 36 hours and not being as susceptible to COVID. And then as the age decreases, the likelihood of taking it decreases. But still, I want to say 40% say they would take the vaccine. And then another 40 to 50% say that they would wait a little bit, see how the first round goes, and then be willing to take it afterwards. Only about 10%, I want to say, saying that they refuse to ever take it whatsoever. So the vaccine's coming out. We're going to have, we're going to be pushing towards that herd immunity. And things are on, on the uptick. Things are on the the, turn, the turning around, I should say. And I do believe that as far as COVID and hopefully, just hopefully we will get to the point where the government deems it okay, deems it essential for everything to open back up. Lastly, is in regards to the Electoral College, not much to discuss here. I'm, I know I mentioned on the last episode, it is a shame that we're not going to be discussing the Electoral College and the vote there. I guess I really shouldn't have said that because it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really change anything. And so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. The Electoral College voted for Joe Biden. It's not really anything I mean, it's it's what would have happened. They have they were voting based off of their state certification. We knew what states had certified what winner in their respective states. And so we knew that those electoral votes were going to be cast for Joe Biden and for Donald Trump, respectively, based on how the state certified the vote. So there's doesn't really it doesn't really do anything. It's not really any more vindication or stamp of approval or stamp of proof that Joe Biden's the next president of the United States. What will happen in the in the legal processes will still continue to happen because what that will do is overturn states certification. And then we get into other slates of electors and all that. We won't really spend time on that. So it doesn't really change anything as far as the legal processes go, because again, all that would happen before the electoral votes were cast is that the state certification would then be repealed, you know, and you have to then certify the state's uh, vote based off of those updated measures that the court puts in place. And then once those states give a different certification, then different votes. That, that's before and now after the electoral vote is cast. Now you have the exact same thing, the state certification being pulled and then a new slate of electors having to be cast and different votes being cast based off of that new certification. So again, don't be too worried on that uh, as the legal process continues. What I will make a brief statement about is Joe Biden's victory speech after the electoral college like this. I think I want to say this is like the guy's fourth victory speech. I mean, after he gets inaugurated, he's going to have another victory speech and then <laughs> he's just going to keep having more and more victory speeches. I want to say it's at least his third. And he tries to give two stories. He tries to give the side that Trump and his questioning the actual legitimacy of the election, which he totally has the right to do. It's totally within his parameter. He says that that is just, I have the quote here, quote, unprecedented assault on our democracy. 
by making, quote, baseless claims about the legitimacy of the results. And then later in the exact same speech, or maybe before in a different portion of the exact same speech, he says that we have wonderful constitutional legal processes that all of the questions and all of the the claims of fraudulent activity went through and they were all found at not, they were all struck down because of the wonderful legal claims and the constitutional processes that we have. So on one hand, Trump's a threat to our democracy. On the other hand, we have a wonderful, our system has great processes in place and it was tr totally within Trump's parameters. So you have that hypocrisy, you have the hypocrisy, you have the going back and forth, and you're going to see that with media bias, them starting to pull back their assault on the presidency, what has been four years of unrelentless, or I should say relentless attacks on the president now easing back out and everything's now great. Everything's great. The American system is opening back up again. COVID is going back down. The vaccines are up. Businesses are going back to normal and bolstering. Everything's going back to normal. And what you have is the media starting to lay off the attacks. And what it's going to seem like is a return back to that normalcy if Joe, if Joe Biden becomes the next president because the media is now shutting its mouth and now doing what Joe Biden wants. And Joe Biden's used to that. And so now it's going to seem like we have the calm. We're in the calm. because and But what it, what it really is, is we're not just in the calm now. And it's not that we were in a frenzy for the past four years because of Donald Trump, but because of the media attacking the presidency. And now we're going to have that media pulling the dial back, removing that assault, removing those uh, relentless attacks. And now it's going to seem like a return to normalcy, putting and ingraining into the American people, brainwashing our minds that as these Democrats are elected, that things are returning back to normal. And that as we elect Republicans, as we bring in these conservatives, things start to get crazy and the world starts to crumble as we know it. So more of that always in later episodes. We will continue to update you on more as more comes out. That is why you should be tuning into The Glorious Rescue. That's why you should be hitting that subscribe button, hit that, hitting that share button, following us on all plop all popular platforms and every platform that you can. It is always appreciated. The support is always appreciated. You know what else is appreciated? Listening into the episodes. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Josiah Everton, and this is the Glorious Rescue.